This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 481, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Hello, welcome to the Fanboy Pick of the League podcast, episode 481. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and Josh Flanagan is back, my co-host. Hey, man. <laughs> You're on? back from the beach. Yeah, real good. <laughs> real good. Hope you enjoyed it. What? <laughs> we are iFanboy. We like comics. Every week we read a stack of comics. One of us picks their favorite book. We call it the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book as well as other books, other topics of interest, fun stuff, listener mail. It'll be fun. And here's your spoiler warning. It's a review show. There'll be some spoilers, so watch yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, as Josh would say. I would say chiggity check yourself before you riggity wreck yourself, which was uh, stolen by Rex and Effects, or, or at least appropriated from DOS Effects, which we put on the show a couple of weeks ago, which I would say three or four people really liked. Sorry, that's all, that's know, all that matters. What three. happened? What happened there? <laughs> this week, Josh had the pick in a very, very strange week of comics. It was, it was The thing was, I went on vacation, and I, I was like, I'll just bring the comics with me that I want to read uh, for this week so I won't get behind. And it was like a million comics last week. Yeah, I it was like 23 books to read last yeah, week. Yeah, it was, I'm still not done with those. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I kept up pretty well, but you know, I was on vacation, and this, is, this reading comics, this is work. To me on a Wednesday. Um, it's not bad work. Don't I mean you know if you can get it, go for it. Uh, it doesn't pay well. Um, where was I? Right. So then this week I was like, all right, I guess it's gonna be another huge. No, there was like five books or something like that. And I was like, I was grabbing around trying to find something uh, to talk about. Um, so we'll have just just as a warning. This is this is a lighter than usual week in terms of books we're going to talk about just because i read seven you read five there's yeah. not a lot we normally try to talk about 10 or 11 books but mathematically there just aren't even that many this is what this is where dc dropping out of the game is hurting hurting the, the difference show between connor and i though is that he could tell you that number and i would have no idea that right. we normally talk about however many books yeah and i i read a couple of dc books last week but i don't think i read any this week you wouldn't i just yeah basically i just scanned creator names and I went, no. We'll get to that in a bit. Let's, let's get to the pick of the week sure, first. Sure, sure. You know what? Here's the thing. I've been in the Caribbean. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little slower. Contact high? No. Oh, no, no. Not where I was. It was all yuppies. Um, the Contact other side high, of the island, maybe. Yeah. They were just, they drink. That's what, they take pills, and you can't really get a, <laughs> a contact high from pills, as far as I know. But, I guess you could mash them up and blow them into smoke. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> Some... <laughs> <laughs> you just made us more lame, and I don't know. I didn't think that that was possible, but you've done uh, it. I do what I can. So the pick of the week this week is Chrononauts number two from Mark Miller and Sean Gordon Murphy, uh, colored by Matt Hollingsworth, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. I was a little surprised to see this. That's yeah. The pick. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, because you didn't, you didn't love the first one as much as I did. Yeah, I liked it. Um, and actually talking to you... As will happen sometimes, made me go, all right, you know, I, I see from that perspective. Cause sometimes you go into something with, like, I don't know, some version of an expectation, and it's not that thing, or, or you know, like, it takes a little perspective to sort of get what you're, you're, you're looking at. Um, mm-hmm. But all that is, is secondary to the fact that sort of when this second issue started up, um, I was really, I guess, pleasantly surprised that it took its big left turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is... I mean, it's 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 an old trick at this point, but it, I also like I I enjoy it. Like I liked that they, um, basically in this book, uh, at the end of the last one, you see that the the one guy has gone heroically through the time portal to rescue his friends. He is uh, overrun by uh, horse horsemen and barbarians. Mongols, kind of. Yeah, he's shot with uh, arrows, and and uh, and then we're very we're very quickly revealed that. Uh, he's saved by people with some very uh, modern technology, some Jeep Wranglers and, uh, and other monster or, uh, cars. Muscle cars. Muscle, muscle cars. cars. That's the word I was looking for. Um, taken back to a castle where he finds that his friend, who has been stuck there for five years, is the ruler of all of them. 
and 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 he's like, "What are you doing? I came here to rescue you." And he's like, "No, nah, I've been living up. I'm not going back there. Regular life sucks." And he, <laughs> he travels around time, um, stealing things and using his advantages to make money. And he has a chart uh, because of the women that he's with in the different. Um, he's Lance Armstrong. I just noticed that. Well, he also he on his he, no on his chart it says that he's dating Cheryl Crow and he's into cycling. <laughs> That's interesting. So he he has a different his suit allows him to go anywhere in time, and so he has a different life in oh, every wait. portion of the world. No, no, Cheryl Crow has likes and dislikes. It's like one of those Playboy things. Uh, oh, and her likes are beer and cowboys, but her dislikes are cycling. That makes I sense. I see. And it says, "Don't mention Kid Rock." That's funny. I didn't see that joke. He's dating Betty, Betsy Ross, Betty White, and Betty Page. Yep, yep. He's and Amelia Earhart. I th- I think that his and uh, Cleopatra and Marilyn Monroe, Shell Crow, Joan of Arc. I think that his uh, his access to these people is the most important thing because even if I got there, you know, right? That's tough. Yeah. Betty Betsy White's likes are sewing. Sewing. That's nice. Dislikes um, Bon Jovi. <laughs> Um, so, um, <laughs> Betsy anyway, Ross, I mean, uh, Betsy is, Ross. This turned into a completely different thing, and by the end, on the last page, you you see what the story is ostensibly going to be for some time. Um, but I liked it. It was, and it was way over the top. Yeah, it was super over the top in terms of like what he's been up to and how he's been traveling through time and and stealing things and. Well, this is the we, we talked about on the first issue. This is basically two dudes mm-hmm. in time, right? And so this was the super dude issue where you know they're they're running around making money, sleeping with women, and doing. This is the party scene in the Vince Vaughn, you know, uh, uh, Owen Wilson movie, right? This is the a uh, little bit softer now montage scene from Wedding Crashers. Now, we're, and this, but by the end, it's all going to come crashing down. And the one of his girlfriends in the twenties finds his room with a chart, and she's the do, she's the girlfriend of Lucky Luciano. So maybe he's going to get sicked on this guy, and then you've got Tommy Lee Jones about to enter the time stream to, to bring them back because they're mucking with time. So this was the party, everything's awesome issue. And looks now, like Richard Nixon to me. He's Tommy Lee Jones. Look, look at, at that the last page. He's got Richard Nixon's nose. Yeah, but look at the previous page. Oh yeah, it's Richard. It's Richard, Richard Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones Nixon. So this is this is the issue where everything's awesome, but then next issue everything's going to be not awesome, and that's where the story's going to start. I, I thought this was really fun. I liked it. Yeah, it was basically it was just really fun, and it was an excuse for uh, Sean uh, Murphy to draw a lot of muscle cars and planes and helicopters, and uh, I'm always okay with that because he does that really really well, and it's it's right. fun to watch. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things. It was just. It was just like, hey, these guys are having fun. I don't even mean the guys in the book. I mean the the creators. You're making it, yeah. Just just doing all these different things and and hopping around in time. And it's it's really fun to watch uh, an artist who's sort of as meticulous uh, as as Murphy just keep adapting what he's drawing. Like he's you know he's drawing the the pyramids and then he's drawing feudal Japan and then he's drawing twenties New York City. That's neat. Like and, and you're doing that all on one page. Um, right. And and uh, you know that that's that's kind of cool, fun stuff. If you think you know, he's got to be like, this is great. I get to do all these different things. You're not going to get bored with anything. He's got an F14 and a Tyrannosaurus Rex on the same page. Right. Uh, you know that's what comic books can do. And no one is ever going to look at this and go, I don't know, that effect looks fake, because that's not how comic books work. So it really takes advantage of that that massive comic book uh, arsenal of of sort of storytelling ability. Um, so I like that. I uh, I was somewhat paying attention to what you're saying, but also going. I went back to the chart and reading, and the jokes are so bad that they're funny. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's like uh, Joan of Arc's dislike is barbecue and fire, mm-hmm. and uh, Amelia Earhart's dislike is heights, um, and uh, Betty White dislikes reverse cowgirl, which is interesting. I don't. I don't dis. I don't. I, you know, I decided I didn't want to comment on that. <laughs> I, was, I was midway. He's got, he's got a note section. Don't mention Kid Rock. Yep. I don't um, know. Did, did Cheryl Crow? Die? I don't. Doesn't matter. Yeah, she did. She did. Really? Um. Yep. So uh, she made bad choices in men. Well, that, that'll happen. And Kid Rock. Listen, Kid Rock wasn't the worst one. <laughs> no, that's, that's strange. The one that's interesting. That's when you know you've made some bad choices yeah, when you yeah. dated all oh, the men you dated. Kid Rock wasn't the worst. So, uh, it's super fun, and I can see how this totally plays into the. Um, he, you know, he sold it as a film. This is totally like this oh, is yeah. probably the easiest sale he ever made as a 
as a movie. Um, but you're right. The, the joy in it for me is seeing the art from Murphy and all the stuff he gets to draw. The stuff that you don't normally see in comics. You don't normally see a 1920s or 1950s Las Vegas scene or 1920s party scene or or that kind of thing. It's it's really fun to see all that. And I'm now looking really forward to it all coming crashing down around them and seeing how that goes. Yeah, sure. Because, you know, I, I don't even know if these guys are... We don't even know if these guys are capable or... We don't know anything about them because it's all moved so fast that we can't we can't tell. We don't know. And it's also like the greatest fantasy, right? What would you do if you had a time machine? You run around and you go to Scottish Highlands in the night in thirteen fourteen with tanks and kill all the English and I and uh, I don't think I'd do that. <laughs> you get the whole giant broadsword though. Yeah, I mean, but you're you're probably not very good at it. No, I, he, he just stands there in front of the tanks while they shoot. Yeah. Well. And he, and I love that he gets into it. Like he's wearing the whole outfit. Well, his friend's just in regular clothes and has an Uzi. Um, but like you know, go for it, right? I guess. I like so. that. He, I like that he has costumes for every, every era and identities, and it's cool. I like it's fun. It's a, it's just a fun, silly book. Mm-hmm. It's cool. I'm I'm good with that. Uh, I likes to draw those cars. He he does he does it really well, and a lot of guys don't like to draw cars. So, um, more power to him, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so there, there must be a lot of there's a lot of great stories out there that you could have him draw, where he could have he could draw for himself, uh, where he right. could just draw cars all the time. I wish he would have been good on um, that first arc of uh, Stumptown. Yes, but then but then you know, Southworth did good cars too. So anyway, he did. I'm you just saw post vacation brain there. I was like, so Thor number seven <laughs> is the next one on your script list. Yes, it is. Um. This is notable because, and I want to check with you on this. <laughs> is this a reveal? No, no. Is the, reveal is, the, reveal is, the reveal is next week, okay. next month. Though every every issue, we've basically had a a strong hinting of who is the Thor, who's the woman behind Thor, right? And this issue is heavily on. Oh, it's definitely Roz. Whereas before, we had definitely other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I. I hesitate to say anymore because I was told by someone who know who would know who the person was, and I don't know. I'm not going to say. Obviously, I want to ruin it. I don't know, but also I don't know if they're right or not, yeah. or they're just fucking with me. But um, or it could also have been changed in the time because it was a long time ago. I think it was an issue one that I was told. But uh, so I think one of the things that's really fun about this book for me right now is that there's all these little groups of people that we're going around and visiting. Mm-hmm. It's not. I mean, normally this is Thor's book, so you're always with Thor. But in this, you've got you've got this battle on the moon. Um, is it on the moon? Why do I just? Why do I think? Yeah. Well, she goes. She, she's in the blue area. Roz isn't on the moon in the beginning. Right. To look at, she goes to look at the hammer, and then Thor is fighting the destructor. Destroyer. Destroyer. I'm sorry. That was goes to the destructor. It was. Um, no, they're not on the moon because there's there's cow patch around. Okay. The, right. You're right. Are they're probably in Broxton. Are there uh, cows around the moon, though? It could be. Are those they could particularly be. delicious cows? Well, no, they wouldn't be because there's no plant life. They wouldn't have anything to chew on. There'd be. What, are they, what if these are cows bred for dust? Well, still, that wouldn't transfer any of that delicious. Yeah, you're right. You. You're right. These would be really dry cows. Dry so meat. anyway, you've got you've got you've got that battle going on, which is really fun. I like the destroyer. I'm not sick of him yet. Uh, mm-hmm. As a concept, I think it's it's fun. Um, then you've got um, Malekith and uh, Dario, whatever his name is, sort of off doing their thing. And then, you know, you have Thor, and then you've got the other Thor, Odin's son, I guess. Sorry, I was I, I can't call him that. It's not his name. Uh, He's then, you know, you're back in Odin's throne room. Prince Odin's son or something stupid yeah. like that? Yeah. It's just all of these different... Uh, sort of dynamics and things going on and it moves really fast and sort of the issue is over really quickly and then uh, at the end you got uh, Odin's son with the ladies all-star league um, it's the ladies auxiliary yeah yeah. Uh, yeah well it's there's a power vacuum right the, so Thor is up for grabs even though mm-hmm. well, the, the perception is that Thor's power is up for grabs so you've got all these different factions warring for it I liked the idea that the destructor uh, can pick up the hammer because he's not a person he's a tool it's just one tool picking up another tool so there isn't a question of worthiness or anything like that. That was an interesting idea. Um, and also, for me, a lot of it's also just checking out Russell Dowderman's art, and, which and that's, is everywhere. That's, you know, I was in the middle of reading this, and I went back, and because I, I, I don't, I don't think of him as a, as an artist. I don't know. He hasn't really been on my radar so much. But I'm, I'm halfway through it, and I was like, "Well, he's been. This is really good." 
this is <laughs> like I was like, right, Russell Dodderman is this guy who I hadn't really heard of all that much before this, and this is. This is big time stuff that he's doing here. It's like it's mm-hmm. like what Marvel should be, and he's got big action scenes and lots of different characters, and uh, I really like how he's doing it. And I like how the stuff with Thor is full on, like like over dramatic. You know, ha- hammer swung up behind the head, just right. It's a little, little exaggerated, but it should be. You know, like uh, it's big Viking action in space. Yeah, exactly. and there's. There's, you know, flying goats and Odin and Love those goats. dark elves. This is, the, this is the way, this is the place where you go big or go home. Yep. And, and, and he's basically what is he's completely uh, meeting that challenge. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's delivered. It's a Thor book. You know, first and foremost, end of the day, it just, this feels like a big, you know, classic uh, Thor story. And, right. and that's really fun. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Even if I, I, I don't like Thor not having an arm. Continue. I don't think that's changing. Well, no, not as long as Jason Aaron's riding because old man Thor doesn't have the same arm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't mind it. He has big nipples, though. <laughs> Letter 44. We have not talked about this book in a while. Yeah. Uh, I feel like maybe it comes out sporadically or I, I read it sporadically, one or the other. Um, the thing is, uh, if you had been following me at all, uh, you know that I've been reading a book lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been reading a book uh, from Neil Stevenson. And this is a book that takes place in space. Be careful. I'm not gonna. I'm just I don't want to know anything about it. You don't I'm have one to. Of a blank slate. There's a space element. Okay. That's my only point. All right. And so I'm in that frame of mind. So when mm-hmm. this issue came out, I was like, all right. Stuff in space. I was very happy about that. So excited. I was excited to read it. But what has happened here is I, I think there was a little break because as we enter this issue, um, World War Three has started. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been a little while since the end of the last issue, um, and I was like, "That's a big old step that you have taken um, <laughs> in the in between the issues, where where basically the United States uh, is against everybody." Um, Are you sure it, you didn't just miss miss an issue? No, I'm sure of it. Yeah, I checked because I was I wasn't sure, but because uh, <laughs> I said this doesn't make sense. Um, so a couple of things happen here: the U.S. bombs the shit out of London, which is really uncomfortable to read. Like Why did we do that? It's a whole. There's a whole story to it. It's you know like there's basically. Are we sick of their actors coming over taking our jobs. Ouch, ouch. And the, <laughs> and at the same time, their actors uh, trying to do American accents on their show on their side of the world. It's bad. Horrible. It's very bad. So then the other thing that happens is you get the uh, the whoever the George W. Bush stand-in is. He tells his story to a reporter from his point of view. Um. Also, so you, you sort of get his perspective. He's the one who has started this war. Um, he he got Germany to to bomb that that one base that dirty bomb the dirty nuclear bomb that happened in a previous story that was from Germany and so that means that the U.S. attacks the EU and it's a whole thing. Uh, and then finally, we've made a lot of progress with the aliens. Uh, I'm saying a lot has happened in this issue, uh, and wow. there's a big cliffhanger at the end of it, and it's very much a, I want to know what's going to happen next because this is super interesting. And I like. But does it does it feel like it's end like ending? No, no, it feels like it's advancing mm-hmm. because there's so much on the table right now that we're not even close to that. Like the the aliens that are in this really are kind of a precursor for something else that we don't even know what that is. And while we're working on that, you know, the president has just told the world about about it. And that's, you know, what sort of kickstarted the, the every all the humans fighting with each other. You know, it's there's a lot going on right now. It's not it's not ending it, or. Do, yeah, it doesn't feel like that at all. I think this is more like a 50, 60, 80 issue kind of thing that's going to be cool um so it'll take about 45 years to come out then something like that something like that i think he does what we have 15 and he's doing yeah he's doing i'm gonna guess eight ten issues a year so letter 44 will be passed down throughout the generations from one one father to their son mm-hmm. you must continue the legacy of reading this, this series it will finish it will yeah. finish uh, so i don't know if you listened to the show last week josh but paul and i went over every issue no of convergence spoilers. We went over every issue, so I figured you would be game to also go over all the issues of Convergence that came out this week. I will, um, I will be here. Which I'm sure you've read. I read two of them. And I'm ready week. to speak on. I read two of them last week, and I read, let me just check here, yep, zero of them this week. Well, if you, if you were unlike Josh and did listen to the show, you know I basically wrote the whole thing off last week and said I wasn't going to read any more of it, really. But uh, the siren call, I couldn't... 
I looked at the covers and I was like, okay, well, there's old Aquaman with the beard and the hook. This is all 90s era. So we're, we're, in, we're in the 90s era. Last week we were in the um, pre, pre-90s era, I think. And then this, this week it's 90s era. So there's the Shadow of the Bat logo and there's Superboy with the stupid glasses and Justice League International. And I was like, oh, okay. I liked, all, I liked those books. I'll, I'll read some of these. And I wasn't in any of that stuff at all, so it doesn't do anything for me. And uh, it was all the same. It was so, it was all dumb. It was all like uh, there was a, uh, there might have been one okay. I actually kind of liked the Aquaman one a bit, but it was the same problem in that the story was all about living under this dome, and I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I read a couple of them last week based on uh, who was writing them and, and drawing them, and mm-hmm. uh, went through them this week, and I didn't really see anything. You know, no disrespect, but I didn't really see anything that, that captured my fancy that made me want to read it. But when I got to the end of the ones that I read last week, I was like, oh, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't go anywhere. There's no, there's no point. It's, it's a two-part story, that, and uh, just like last week, the, it's almost like these are all templated out. You can read – the beginning is op- opens on what's life been like for the last year under the dome, and then about three-quarters of the way through, the guy makes the same speech he's made in every issue, and then – and then they go, oh, who's the champion going to be? And then they meet. And then that's – it's like it literally follows the same beats every issue. Yeah, that first half issue. is kind of interesting. And then the second half was really uninteresting. See, that's – I'm flopped. I couldn't care less about living under the dome. But I, I'm into this – I want to see these heroes fight. That's like the whole point of my interest in this story. And it's just lame. So it also doesn't really make any sense. Like in the Superboy, Superboy issue, he gets matched up with Super, Kingdom Come Superman, Red Robin, and The Flash, which seems unfair. Uh, I don't see how he's going to win that one. As Catwoman got Kingdom Come because they were up, this was up against King, Kingdom Come Earth. She got Kingdom Come Batman, but other ones they got like really lame ones. So I, I just don't, I don't really care. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. I see these covers and I go, okay, maybe, and then I I hate, end up hating it. So <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it's dumb. So. Uh, I'll say it again. I'm not going to read any more, and then next week I'll probably read a couple. I'm going to probably read a couple. The the the, the Jeff Parker, uh, Doc Shaner, Shazam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to read that one. Yeah, of course you are. Of course. Yeah, you yeah, are. yeah. Is he still Shazam or is he Captain Marvel again? Uh, okay, he's Shazam. Okay, that's stupid. Because he he when one of the, in one of these books, he appears and they call him Shazam, even though that's not accurate to the time frame. But hmm. that's lo- that's lawyer business. Is there still a wizard? He's also named Shazam. See, that's just confusing. He should be Shazam Jr., and then Captain Marvel Jr. should be Shazam the Third. I, I'm, I, that all makes sense to me. Makes more right? sense than having two Shazams running around. It's all logical. Works out in my brain. You go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon. If you want to make your purchases through Amazon and help the show out, that's a, there's a link there to go to Amazon. You can make that your permanent Amazon link. You want to go through ifanboy.com slash Amazon. Any purchase you make will help the show out. I bought a couple things this week, Paul. Uh, you're not Paul, you're Josh. A couple of wow. things this week, Josh, to uh, help the show. That's why you did it? Not that I wanted them. I was like, I need to help the show, so I bought some more things. You're fairly selfless. Actually, after we had the Darwin panel, I realized I didn't own the Spirit anymore, so I went and bought the trades. Huh. And I bought the Solo uh, hardcover, too, because I, I realized I didn't. I have that. never read that. That's why I hadn't read it either, and, I, and I, he talked about it so much, and then... I was talking to uh, our fanboy writer Mike Romo, and he he lo- loves it, so I, I went and bought that. So those are my Amazon purchases this week. Well, fair enough. You go to ifanboy.com slash registration. You can help the show directly by becoming an iFanboy member at 3 bucks a month, 30 bucks a year. That's where you can also make any kind of donation you want to make to help the show. All those people who do the aforementioned things help keep the show going, keep the lights on, keep the servers up and running, keep you uh, in old shows. That's how you can... You can uh, listen to all the old podcasts and view all the old content uh, directly because of these people. So if you do any of that stuff, you should thank them. Find an iFam member and shake their hands. So uh, That's like in Fletch when you shake, hug a cop. I haven't seen see, Fletch in such a long time that I don't even remember it. See a cop? He's trying to – yeah, I'm not even going to get into it. Okay. It's, it's a good scene though. All right, good. Hug uh, a cop. Revival. This is issue number 29. Mm-hmm. A rural noir by Tim Seeley and Mike Norton. We haven't checked in on this in a little while, and I want to. The, we've been in this sort of state of uh, stake raising chaos for quite a while now, and this is still more of that. Um, Interesting. Yeah, that's really sort of what has happened. Is that 
like the people who are in the town that has been um, uh, quarantined are sort of fighting amongst themselves a lot. And now there's like, there's a lot of people getting killed and there are explosions and guns. And uh, one of the revivers um, sews a bomb in herself yeah. and blows up a lot of people and sort of factions are developing. And Is it sort of like this is just life in the town now or do you feel like it's driving towards something? Both. I feel like it has to drive towards something. I feel I tell myself that anyway, because otherwise, you know, what are you what are you reading? And then it's like a soap opera, which has no sort of end game. Um, but I think it's a really long end game, and so you sort of do get to spend time. You know, it's like anything; like you're in a weird situation, and eventually, if that's just sort of what the situation is. It becomes normalized. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually some there's some fill in work in this one. Uh, Mike Norton didn't draw all of the pages. Um, for I'm guessing for very valid reasons, um, uh, but uh, I really uh, at the I was like, oh wow, this is Mike Norton's book. You know what I mean? Like it was very much right. obvious, or like this is he's done all of it so far, and it's him, and he's working, you know, with Tim Seeley, who who they're very good friends, they're close, and like I think that's one of the things about the collaboration that works uh, really well uh, that I like a lot, and uh, it's it's still just a, it's a it's a great book with all sorts of rich characters, and it's literally. You know, characterization and place-wise, it's nothing like anything else out there. It's mm-hmm. so grounded in its in even though it's like a crazy story with you know bodies being brought back up, but it's it's incredibly grounded. Um, a lot of people get killed in this one, though. So, are there still ghosts? Like those weird ghost things? Yeah, they've kind of sorted out what that was a little bit. Um, so that's but that's not sort of the pressing thing. Now this is like the point where the like the people fighting amongst themselves is kind of the problem, mm. um, as always. As in the Walking Dead, <laughs> as in the Leather Forty Four that we were just talking about. I said Leather Forty Four. That's a different. Book. <laughs> that's a leather cleaner. Yeah, Leather Forty. You want Forty Fours for a real tough leather? Yeah, don't get that you wet. Want, you got a lighter leather. You get you want Leather Forty Forty, and that's 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 how you clean a a, a a nice soft leather. Yeah, and don't use this on fake leather. It's going to ruin it. But no, you need to read the instructions. You want fake Leather Forty Four for that? I know that. Uh, the fade out number five. The fade out number four was pick of the week. Five probably would have been my pick of the week. I'm not sure. Maybe, but uh, it, it was excellent. And uh, this issue it was. Um, I, it's funny because I this this book feels so meaty that I think I feel like more issues have come out. I had the exact same thought. I was like, really? We're only on five. Yeah, I I, I was really surprised because a lot has happened in this book. Well, because of that though, like I also. I also feel like, to me, like, I don't feel like it separates within issues. I feel like I'm just in the middle of one long novel, which is a, right. which is a pretty normal Ed Brubaker thing. Also, were there extra pages in this or something? Um, Very thick. It's just, my thing says 40 pages. Yeah. Like, it's a big issue. That could be it. It could be the issues are all thick, too. So, in this issue, one of the sad sack writers has been finds himself at the wrong place at the wrong time. But it allows him to have a very interesting conversation with the bruiser head of security, Phil Brodsky, who is in charge of Victor Street Pictures' security. And, you know, in those days of Golden Age of Hollywood, those guys were the enforcers who kept things out of the press, kept actors in the closet, who made sure that no people in middle America never knew about the seedy side of Hollywood. Um, and uh, in this issue, we get to see some of that in action and, uh, you know, tragedy and... A little bit of comedy, but mostly mostly a lot of tragedy. Timing. <laughs> Add Tom and, timing to that, and you get comedy. Right. That's how that works, I think. Um, Twenty six pages, by the way. Twenty six pages of story. Oh, so that's a, that's 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 a couple more pages. Sure. The only thing that I had trouble with this issue was it took me a, a minute to figure out that when we were watching them film the scene, that we were cutting between the old actress and the new actress. Mm-hmm. But once I figured it out, it was fine. But at first, I didn't know what was going on. But I also like the comparison of how the scenes were written. Like they were filmed one way and rewritten with really shitty dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, and that's, I like that it's our main character who can't write dialogue. <laughs> I think that's really funny. But uh, I really like this a lot. I, I mean, I love this era of Hollywood. But I also think, you know, this is, a, you know, this is like Ed Brubaker special, right? This is like everything he loves about fiction is in this book. And that shows because the characters are really great. Absolutely, I, I agree with you. I have like I have nothing to add to it, and I'm trying mm-hmm. to. And I'm like, yeah, you said all of the things. I enjoy it. It's very good. I feel like I should get brass knuckles. For, to what end? 
Well, I have, sometimes I have a dispute. It needs, needs settling. You think that's you think for I'm just saying for you, being who you are in your situation, you think that's probably the best way to go with it. Well, I like the option. Okay, I'll give you that. Would you keep them concealed, or is it, or, or is it you're just gonna have no, them? It'd be one of those. It'd be like, hold on a second, I gotta find, figure, remember where I put these. Okay. Uh, could you be in the bag. Could be in the car. You're gonna walk into the room with them and just as an unsaid, like, you know. This, just so you know, this is on the table. Well, occasionally it's good to just walk into a room and not say anything, just punch somebody with brass knuckles and walk out. That I agree. Because then it keeps everyone on their toes. I totally agree with that. No one ever knows what's going to happen in that, when that happens. I'm pretty sure I know what's going to happen. Here's what I don't know. What Run, Love, Kill is. Run, Love, Kill is a uh, new series, uh, eight-issue miniseries from Image Comics. Um, it is, the story is by John Sway. Uh, is written by John Sway and Eric Canetti. Oh, interesting. Uh, mostly what I'm telling you here is that the art is by Eric Canetti. Well. Yeah, there you go. Uh, he's a guy. Hey, where's he been? I think he does a lot of production work. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and I think he does some comics sometimes, um, but he works He works in TV. Uh, remember, we, remember when we found him on that Iron Man story? Yep. That was no, awesome. we found he Before that, he was on the Remender book. Um, that's right the title I can't remember I was thinking about this actually as I was reading it and I've decided that that Rick Remender has probably introduced me to more of my favorite artists uh, than anybody else in comics right I mean if you, well, if you just think about the guys that, that he sort of uh, got to work with that, that it put him in front of my face there's a lot of them uh, he's got an amazing well, every, it's like every book he has is an amazing artist on it yeah well it's because he knows what good art is um, I, I, you know I'm going to be honest the story is not um i don't even know what it is exactly it's sort of a future uh near sort of tech world uh and and dystopian yep yeah a little of that going on sci-fi but there's the thing i want to see eric canetti draw those things sure so i'm cool with that there's a girl and she is uh she's down on her luck and she needs to get some money so she can get off world and there's bad guys after them. This is very much a cold open. This is like half of a cold open, this story. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Eric Kennedy draws big old spaceship-looking things and, and, and pretty girls uh, that have weird long fingers and, and action and running. And uh, I'm totally cool with it. Uh, it, looks, it looks great. And, uh, you know, just, just on that aspect, I'm, I'm really into it. We should start in a segment called This Week in Dystopian Future Sci-Fi from Image Comics. <laughs> yep. Because yep. there's probably like 10 of those. Yeah, probably. And this is good. They're all good. It's just yeah, funny. That it's totally. like if you, if, if you have that book in your pocket and you're, you're a creator with a track record, you could probably get it published. Well, I could get, I could get all anthropological on you, but I, it's, that says a whole lot about where we are right now, doesn't it? <laughs> that's, what, that's what's on everybody's mind. Everybody who's you know, 20 to 40 is like, what the fuck is this all going to end up being? <laughs> this is what we get. Listen, you don't even live in a place that's about to become Mad Max. No. This is, like, this is a conversation people have every day, and it's, there's a lot of anxiety in their voices. Well, whose fault is that? <laughs> The farms. You for eating food. <laughs> you, 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 and you want you people who want food. Yeah. Well. Yes. <laughs> so those are the books. I'm sorry. This was a weird week of comics. So this is, ends up being a weird week of show. Yes. I'm just gonna apologize right off the bat. I think we should apologize uh, a lot. Those are the books we're going to talk about this week. You can have fanboy.com. You can find the post for this show, and you can talk about other books or these books. Or uh, whatever books you wanted to talk about. You want to talk about Seven Eves? Seven Evis? Seven Evis. Because it's seven backwards. I do, but I won't now. Not I'm just going to delete all posts involving that book if you talk about it. I didn't say anything about it. No, I'm saying if, you, if people go, I'm talking to you and the audience. If they go there and they start talking about it, I'm going to start banhammering people left and right. Are you, are you going to read it immediately? Yes. I, I, when I read Reemdy, I didn't even... I didn't know a single thing about it. Yeah, that's the best. Not one thing. So that's what I want for this one because that was a great experience. Anyway, now that we still have about a half an hour of show, let's do some emails. I need you to get that book. <laughs> trying. I'm, I'm dying here, Connor. Trying. I'm trying. Okay. West from Minnesota. He writes in and says, Hearing Darwin Cook talk at WonderCon about the state of superheroes got me thinking. And he's referring, of course, to the video we did with Darwin Cook. Many people talk about how the maturation of superheroes has led to lower sales. Everyone points to the 80s as the starting point of all this with works like Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns. It seems like all this ties into the generational waves of comic readers. I have two thoughts on this. Number one, 
Wasn't this maturation inevitable? Film changed in the 70s to something that was grittier. To me, this was a generation of directors responding to what they saw as kids in the 40s and 50s. Couldn't the same be said of comics. Men like Miller and Moore read comics in the 60s, which led them to building off of what they read and taking it in a new direction. The same can be said of today's crop of creators who read Moore and Miller's work and is building off of what, what was. Two, if my idea above is true, then didn't it all start before the 80s? Didn't O'Neill and Adams run a Batman start the character down a darker road? before Frank Miller was ever on the scene. Didn't Lee and Kirby's Fantastic Four start giving heroes feet of clay before Watchmen? Took him a while to get there, but I like where he's going with it, and I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm there's, a lot, about there's a lot to think about here. Yeah. I, I, think, I think what he said is true. I think that uh, you're absolutely like, yeah, so that's, that's the progression. Well, let's take two first, because two is easy to answer. Okay. Uh, yes, everyone acknowledges that the O'Neill Adams Batman was the first was where it started to take him down the more serious path after the '60s of Silver Age stuff. Because he had said, because Neil Adams was like, "Why would Batman be out in the daytime?" Right. So I don't think anyone, any, I don't think anyone says Dark Knight started that. What Dark Knight did was popularize it. Because mm-hmm. O'Neill Adams stuff still wasn't as super popular. It was more popular after the fact. But, but O'Neill Adams definitely started Batman down a more serious dark path. Frank Dark Knight, what that did was change everything. Not just Batman, it changed all the superheroes. Mm-hmm. The way they, the way the narration, narration changed, everything changed. First, it all, first person narration came out, of, didn't come out of that, but popularized there. So there's differences between start, starting and popularizing. Mm-hmm. And now I would disagree. Yes, Lee and Kirby gave superheroes feet of clay, but that's that's not making it grittier. That's just giving. Heroes uh, problems and making it more, uh, almost more accessible as opposed to less. And that doesn't change the fact that those are all still all ages comics. They were, and then the other the other thing about it is that we're actually talking about a couple of different things. Yeah. Um, there is making things. I, I don't, this must be a better word, but there's the gritty dark superhero, which is basically looking at the dark side of everything that's happening. And then there's what more did, which is not exactly the same thing. More really was taking almost more of a postmodern take on stuff more and more unpeel the entire superhero yes. Cult concept yes and so when you look at it, you look at what he was doing from miracle man onward he was really exploring it uh, in a different way than than miller was in the end of the day you're both looking oh these are adult they swear there's lots of blood but it was it was a different kind of uh riff on it and you know they get lumped together but it is a slightly different thing um but they both came from the same place um which was you know those those 50s and 60s comic books now i don't know if it's it was inevitable inevitable i going back and forth when i first read this email and it first came in i i my immediately said no mm-hmm. but i don't know i've, I've, well, gone, I I've gone back and forth on you're it. getting to the you're getting to the other question about inevitability and i think the problem that i i have now and i can only look at it from this way is that the, how it is different now is that uh let's call 1986 the flashpoint 1986 is the watchman dark knight returns year um and everything started to get more gritty and adult since then and there has been almost no turnover since then there's been no development. There's been no change. There was a development for years and years and years. Um, I, you know, there's been some in the last few years, but for a long time, you know, the sort of the way comics were became very stagnant um, in what they were trying to do, and that's because the audience was the same audience that whole time. It didn't grow. It didn't bring in new people, uh, except to the extent of like there was the the, the animated x-men people in that I, well i i, I still I, you're i think you're mostly right i think that i'm that, generalizing absolutely. yeah i mean people came in and out but what used to happen was the entire audience would turn over yes yes there's obviously pillars where people came in from the, through the x-men cartoon people came in for the civil war there are there are there were always things that have happened and it was generally or, thought to be and people are coming in now with, through digital but yes. but they, it wasn't they were, they were thought to be every 10 years that was the that every, was the common but, wisdom right so before this every, the whole audience would go would change over that was the difference and and i think it's not just because of watchmen dark knight a lot of things happened the comic store comics moving from the new stand of the comic stores comics moving from being a quarter to being a two dollars you know it, it, well at, at the time yeah, it was when we were kids, it was a dollar fifty, a dollar twenty-five. Seventy-five cents is what I remember. The rate um, 
Well, yeah, when we were younger kids. I remember junior high school was dollar twenty five. I could pay with the court with a with a subway token because it was dollar twenty five for a subway token. Um, but all of these things together changed the audience and made the comics more mature because the audience, as Josh just said, stag changed, uh, uh, stagnated. So you didn't have. They weren't disposable things that kids read, and then when the kids got older, the new kids read them, and all the old kids stopped reading them. It just became a thing you bought in a specialty store uh, for $2 a pop, and that's when you started pricing kids out of the market, and and, the, you know, and then the, the creators stopped wanting to write for kids. It just became, a lot of things happened at the same time. And then you, you also have a, a popular culture now, uh, which is largely... Uh retroactive i mean like it's it's our popular culture is now built on the bones of the things that we used to like and so we never let it go well that's that's a whole other thing which is much more complicated than that no but i think it's all still related to what comics are like though is like we're now it's it's 40 year old men just going i don't want to stop reading batman so i need you to keep adapting adapting batman for me um and you know that's where you lose kids um i think yeah, no, I mean, there's there's a lot. I mean, the reason why that's in movies is for is because of foreign sales, nothing to do with the audience in, in America. But um, but you know, you are surrounded by people who are adult males ostensibly, and we are still constantly talking about the things that we well, sure let's bring back Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't feel like that's a thing that happened 50 years ago. Like that's not a thing. Like we but that the Hollywood angle is different than the comic angle. There's well, two, I'm talking about I'm talking about pop yeah. culture in general. Like the fact that everything is still I can I want to buy new versions of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys. Can we do yes? Because there's a market for that. Because now the people who have buying power who are 40 years old want to get that. They want to try to capture whatever that feeling was because adulthood sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, well you, if you grow up on a thing, it didn't happen. There wasn't. Yeah, kid. People who were adults in the '60s didn't, didn't grow up with those things. Some people who were adults in the '70s didn't grow up with those things. So now you've got this is the first time, really, the last 20 years is like the first time, really, that people who grew up with those things had a, the adults buying power to buy those things. So of course, you'd introduce those items, but uh, the pop culture is just too way. There's too many different reasons. And it's way too big to really give one reason why I think these things are happening. Comics is a very specific reason why. I think it's indicative of. Well, yes and no, but I, I mean, that's what I think because we can disagree on that. But um, uh, there's just lots of reasons why 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 things change. But uh, this is a good email because uh, I don't like to think a lot. It made me think. Yeah, we haven't we haven't done that in a bit. Like I don't, I don't I don't have an answer for you. I wish I I wish I did because the thing is like I'm I'm. I'm part of the problem also, but I'm part of the audience, but I also see that there is a problem and I have no idea what to do about it. And the thing, actually, once his, his notion of film changed in the 70s, it's true, but then it changed back in the 80s. Yes, it did. And it's never really gone back. It, it, well, in the 90s, it was the thriving indie scene, but even that's much, much, much smaller now. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one can get those movies funded anymore. Yeah. The the seventies golden age of cinema died with Star Wars and Jaws and and the, the Godfather, even though that was still a masterpiece. Also it's part of it. Yeah, it's uh, that went away. So it wasn't like film changed forever in the seventies and never went back. It, the eighties was uh, yeah. The eighties glazed that all down to glass on the ground. I mean that was they burned everything alive and and, and now you've got it's even worse now because in the eighties you still had dramas being made and adult films. These are you know, now it's all franchises. It's all franchises all the time. So uh, nothing is really. Never, it's all. I think it's all separate. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a cultural thing at all. Yeah, and you also. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, you could you could, you could parse over this for days, and you'd never mm-hmm. have an answer. It would be super fascinating, though. So. Yep. Carry this conversation forward, those of you listening. <laughs> Do you want to read uh, Tyler's? I will. Tyler, <laughs> like you started with an incomplete clause. Kind of how Guardians of the Galaxy was a big surprise for skeptics. What idea from a comic book company did you think that was really terrible but ended up being a pleasant surprise for you? Uh, That's Tyler from California. I would go ahead. The first thing I thought, I I don't know that it's really terrible, but I'm going to go ahead with the Guardians of the Galaxy and Nova comic books that those things were based on. That was the first thing I thought of. You thought it was a terrible idea? No, but I thought I'm not going to interest. I'm not going to be interested in that. I'm not going to care about it. And I mm-hmm. instantly uh, really liked it. I read that whole Guardians of the Galaxy uh, series and and Noval with it. And I, I, you know, I give that to Abnett and Lanning um, for for just writing really good comics. Right. Uh, that you know what for me, 
Like, there's a lot of comic books like that. I I kind of go into new comic books just with the assumption that I'm not going to like it. Mm-hmm. I let them surprise me. So like, it's kind of it's interesting. What do you think? I don't know. I'm trying to think of anything. Because uh, if I think if I tend to think something's gonna be terrible, I just don't read it. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a chance to change my mind. And I don't know if necessarily put a book that I dismiss and then right. either you, you convince me like like Red Hulk maybe. Yeah. What about Fifty Two? Fifty Two. I didn't think was a terrible idea. I just was. I didn't know how they were going to keep the schedule going. Mm-hmm. That was a logistical concern. Right. I, I I think I I don't think I had any. What about doubt that those four writers would do a good job? What about uh, all new X Men? No. No. I didn't think it was a terrible idea. I love time travel. Yeah, but like we're bringing back the original X Men. I loved it. Go back to those old From shows. The beginning. Yeah. As yeah. Absolutely. Concept. All right. Uh-huh. I love time travel. Bring the characters forward and back all the time, as far as I'm concerned. It's funny, because you and I are, are opposites on this. Like, Connor is, is optimistic about a thing, and he, he's sort of unabashed about it, and I just assume I'm going to hate everything. You know, I go into everything hoping for the best. I mean, you know, I, I read the fucking Convergence, every issue of it, even though I kind of knew what I was getting into. Yeah. I actually have more problems with the opposite. Things I'm really hopeful for that turn out to be terrible. Sure. But th- those are a dime a dozen. Um, so I don't really have an answer for Tyler. I thought those. I thought this would be an easier question than that. I don't know, I don't know what to do now. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's. I guess it's not your fault. <laughs> Let's read Josh from Boys Ranch, Texas, who says, "Just for fun." And I. Oh, because the. You need the subject line of this email to make it make sense. Yep. So the subject line of this email is something like, "Not Rushmore." F- oh, I'm sorry. No, the, the Beatles, Beatles uh, DC and Marvel. The the Beatles. Who are the Beatles at DC and Marvel? Yeah. Okay. So he says, just for fun, DC, John is Jeff Johns, Paul is Scott Snyder, George is Grant Morrison, Ringo is Keith Giffen, Marvel, John is Brian Michael Bendis, Paul is Jason Aaron, George is Jonathan Hickman, Ringo is Matt Fraction. What do you guys think? Solid list. I don't know what he's even going for. Okay. Here's a thought. And this is, I think he either doesn't know very much about the Beatles or about these people. Right. The personalities don't match at all. No, not at all. And that's the first thing. And I was, uh, okay. So what was he trying to? Ma- is he trying to match personalities, importance, yeah. or or place, genius? Because if you do place in history, it'd be people from the '60s. That's true. Because the Beatles changed music, and the people in the '60s changed comics. Yeah. These people now wouldn't be. They wouldn't be the Beatles. They'd be uh, <laughs> people like One Direction or something. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone on the list. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry, but I just. I, I the the uh, these are not these are not right. No, and I'm sorry. Jeff Johns is like the opposite of John Lennon. Jeff Jeff Johns is Paul actually. If I was going for the modern day, I'm just going to take sort of the the modern era of comic book creators at DC <laughs> Comics. Jeff Johns is Paul. Right. No doubt about it. Total genius. Totally um, uh, popular minded. And loves it. Loves it. That's a good point. Totally loves it. John. Um, That's rough. I don't know. I want to compare anybody. I agree with you about that. Um, but it, it, it's the very least I would switch those first two, if you want. Scott Snyder's not John either. He's not. But at the, let's say at the very least, right? I I, here's the thing, and here's what we've got going on. Uh, DC Comics does not have a John Lennon. I don't even think Marvel does. Nope, not really. Brian Bendis is there, Paul. Yes, Jason Aaron is Ringo. Yeah, I'll give you that. And I don't that's not an insult. I love Ringo. No, no, because because Ringo uh was if nothing else, uh he was he was remarkably consistent. They never had to stop tape for Ringo. Yeah. And he could play anything. Like he, any any style he could do it. And 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 super nice. Jason Aaron's super nice. I would Matt Fraction really happy to too be too quirky there. to be Ringo. No. Matt, Matt Fraction's Fraction is closer to George. I don't even I have a hard time with that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Matt Fraction is like like uh, he's like an he he he's like one of the Stones or like he's not in the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't be the Beatles. He'd be in the Stones. He's not that. Uh, George would. I mean, okay, all right. Let's let's say Hickman is in is in a slightly Johnish position. Okay, you'll you'll take that. I know you will. Yeah, close. Uh, and we're talking about writers here, obviously. Um, right. Let's finish off then. We've almost got Marvel taken care of, and then we're stuck with the George. We're stuck with an open George. Hickman is in the is kind of in the George camp, though. 
Do you think? No, he's closer to John. He is. Yeah, yeah. totally. He's is. the closest one to John on this list. Yeah. So then, and I don't mean personal. I just mean in terms of the, the sort of torture genius type. Yeah. Um. So then, who gets to be a George? I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't know if there is one. Hey. I'm like. I'm like Rick Remender. No, he's not a George. Uh. George wasn't punk rock. Yeah, you're right. Rick. Rick's also in the Stones. Yep, Rick's in a different band. I mean, that's the thing. Rick's um, in the Sex Pistols. Yeah. I don't know. This is I don't. You it really. It's tough. It's not. It's not. Ugh. It's hard. I don't. Really, you can't make these comparisons one to one. Would Kieran Gillen be a George? No, because I can understand what George says. <laughs> that's that's that is irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, and then, maybe. And then, and then, who's Grant Morrison? Karen's not really quiet hmm. and shy. George was. George didn't like the limelight. Mm-hmm. Karen's a performer. Mm-hmm. He likes to do the the Karen show. It's true. As someone who doesn't like the limelight, there's no there's, there's nobody at Marvel then, because that's not yeah. their show. Right. Rough. There isn't one of those. Yeah, these are tough one to ones because they don't they don't really work. And you happen to be you know we have you know, Connor and I happen to be two people who a know a lot about the Beatles. Uh, right. And b have met most of these people. So um, that's awkward. All of them on this list. Yes. Yes. Everyone on this list. I've had a conversation with all of them. At least one. I mean, I can't I can't entirely say that I that what I had with Grant Morrison was a conversation. <laughs> Because it's hard to it's hard to call it a conversation when one person's mind is shaking like Tom Hanks's hands and trying to riot, uh, just to not say something stupid. But uh, yeah, that's how that goes. Yep. <laughs> I guess Given could be kind of Ringo-ish. Not really. Though. It's just weird. He's such a, he's a different era than these yeah, other guys. He's a different. He's not that guy. Uh, it's funny it's just... because the ranks have sort of shrank so much that. I don't like I don't a lot of names don't come to the to tip of my tongue anymore. There's sort of a there's a very small amount of, of people doing work that resonates with me at those companies, I think. If Brubaker was still Marvel, would you, would he fit in here? He could be a George. He's close. He could be a George. He does like Yeah, he's close. He does his own thing, but it fits in really well with what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Um and he's a little uh, different than the others. Yeah, you could, you could, you could give it that. This is as close as we're gonna get, Josh from Boys Ranch. Sorry, we tried. I, th- I don't think you can tell we we didn't give you your due. We didn't give you your time. <laughs> Email us at contact@fanboy.com or call our voicemail line at eight eight fanboys three two six two six nine seven. Tell us where you're from. Keep it on thirty seconds. And uh, so we got five minutes. You want to talk about the Star Wars trailer? Why? Because I don't think that everybody has had their chance to weigh in on what they thought about the Star Wars trailer. But I, I'm guessing listeners will be interested to know what we thought. So uh, we had the we had the really short teaser trailer a few months ago, whenever that was, that came out and didn't all, didn't show us a lot, didn't tell us a lot. I, that gave me some trepidation. I thought that doesn't look like Star Wars. That right, that was your thing. We talked about it on the show. You didn't like it, so this one we got the, we got a full two minute they're still calling it a teaser so let's let's uh because yeah they didn't really show too much which is by the way fine i should mention yeah. uh as we were uh, as this as this came out we weren't really expecting it but we were uh on a skype chat and the conversation we had ahead of time this is right before it was announced we were just talking about the fact that they were they were showing it somewhere because we didn't expect to see it was i don't want to see that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna read anything no no no, 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 blackout. no no that was the conversation because this was during Star Wars Celebration and people were live tweeting the, the the panel and I didn't want we didn't we said we didn't want to know the they were live tweeting character names and, and brief sort of my very very brief descriptors and I didn't want to know any of that yeah but and you, I said I was I said I was only going trailers on Star Wars right. I didn't want to know anything else besides that but the idea was floated and not not you know ever like it was at least given consideration that you know maybe we don't even watch that and just for a second we thought you know what maybe. But it doesn't matter because the second that somebody said it was up online, we all were like, yeah, we're going to watch that right now. Because <laughs> so. there, there was a moment where I was like, maybe we won't. And then it was, no. oh, no, wait, we have to watch that right. Because as soon as it was available, it was, it was like junkies. 
And I, I heard, yeah, I heard shouting in my office, and then I looked in our little office internal communication. Somebody had put the link in, and I was like, "Well, fuck, all right." And then I put that link into our chat, and then it was off to the races. And uh, so, what? It, I'm curious because you, as we discussed in the email earlier, are a bit more uh, not uh, not as optimistic as I am about these things. So, and you didn't love the first one. What did, so, what did you think of this one? Um. I will, I will, I will give it to you mainly. So I am very hesitant, um, like a battered wife, <laughs> uh, about this because, you know, on the one hand, uh, we've been through this. We're trying to recreate something. So it's, we love Star Wars. I think everybody knows that we are. That is, it is our currency, right? Um, so I was. I'm just being very uh, reticent. I just, um, you know, whatever it is, it is. I'm not, I don't get it. Try not to get excited for it. I try not to do any of those things. But the fact is when you're watching it, uh, and they play the music and they show it down, uh, my scalp starts to tingle and the hair stands up and I can't help that. It's hardwired into our, into us from who we are. And it really is that, that music cue in that first shot. uh, And you don't even see the the down star destroyer. You just hear the music. You see the desert and some, something's driving. And I just immediately, my, my, goosebumpy arms happen but, and it's just gonna has this what happens but at the same time though like it has been used in so many things since then all the time that it i do tend to get desensitized to it but when i was watching it because of the what's going on around it it totally worked for me i mean because you can watch a video game trailer that has that yeah but this right? this is the authentic thing right yes it's, i know there, there's that psychological distinction between if the music, if I'm watching the trailer for Star Wars Battlefields, which I did and it was, it was great, I don't get that same excitement because this is the authentic movie. Uh, well, I watched it. I, I only watched it once yesterday, and I watched mm-hmm. it once today before we did this, just so I could have it a little fresher. And it was actually for me what happened when it really kicked in was when uh, when Luke starts talking. Yeah. Because and I re- I realized too like like it sound it doesn't sound like Mark Hamill. It sounds like Luke Skywalker, which I have not right. heard. No, he's not doing Mark Hamill voice at all. Right, I've not heard uh, 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 new like Luke Skywalker dialogue from him. Right, in a long, thirty, 30 long, years exactly. And so that, and that was instant sense memory. Yeah, I was like, oh, and I'm well, right listen. now, right now talking about it. It's <laughs> happening again. Well, the thing that happened to me was, and that was all great, and I loved all the stuff in the middle and the stormtroopers and this and the Chrome stormtrooper and and all that stuff, but. It, and it wasn't even the Falcon. As soon as the screen went to black and we heard Harrison Ford say Chewie, everything, I had all kinds of physiological reactions. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. I immediately started tearing up. And I had a, by the end of that, that little sting with Chewie and Han show up, I had a smile so big that my cheeks hurt. Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't one of those people doing a recording a video and therefore overreacting to what I'm seeing. It was, this was a legitimate, an involuntary reaction to what I saw. And that, to me, is the magic of it. And look, this is a trailer. The first trailer for The Phantom Menace was awesome. Yes, it so was. So this could go in many ways. But the thing is that what, one thing that J.J. Abrams is really good at, and we saw that in, in that uh, movie whose name I can't remember anymore, the Spielberg. Super 8. Uh, Super 8. He's really good at recreating tone from the filmmakers he loves. Mm-hmm. He's like a film mim- mimic. And so if he's able to m- mimic that feeling of the original Star Wars in a way that George couldn't in, in the prequels, uh, I'm gonna be weeping in the in the theaters in December. Yeah, yeah, and it did feel like that. And I, I, I mean, part of it is I didn't expect that at all. Right. Um, God, and Harrison Ford was trying. He was trying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he gave a little smirky half smile and then a little head nod at the end, yeah. and I was like, I was in. I'm in, hundred percent. It's funny though that most of the things that we mention. Are all things that are related to the older ones, like that? That's well, the ones that yes, work. Yes, I'm very interested in the new characters. However, mm-hmm. um, well, the thought I had watching it was, wow, they're really just not going to show us these the old characters at all. Mm-hmm. They're holding back, and so that's I think partially why I was so affected when Han showed up because I wasn't expecting to see them. Because mm-hmm. in the whole Luke speech, we only see him in a cloak. We see his hand. Yeah. We don't see him. See him. So. Uh, for me, a voice is totally enough. By the way, like to oh, it's totally voice, enough. Like, but, you know, that, that, that reacts. I think the best thing about this whole thing is that those guys all had to get healthy, so now they'll be around longer. I I literally keep thinking that. I'm like, oh, good. If you saw the pictures of, of uh, Mark Hamill and uh, and uh, what's her name um, from the from Star Wars Experience, they look great. Yeah, which is uh, which is cool. Cool. That makes me happy. 
Now you just you just wonder when when Lando gets the call. When does Billy D get to get off the couch and run up run over to the set? Truly belongs among them. <laughs> he has to be in the second one. I would be, be. I would be upset. It's not like he's not available. <laughs> the Battle of Tanab. Maybe he's too available. Maybe he's like so, he's not, not playing hard to get. Here's a different. Here's another thing that I, I want to point out because I think that this is interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, there was an enormous catharsis that took place when that happened. Uh, in that, it was all. It was. It's the only thing I've seen in fandom in, in a long time, and Connor and I are, are steeped in it up to our eyeballs, and don't really want to be anymore. Uh, everyone agreed. Everyone was like, "That was ninety nine percent." Well, whatever. I mean, like, negligible margin. Uh, there's the contrarians. I know, but even that was. I'm saying, way, except for those people. Yeah, I know, yeah. but that was way down. Way, 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 way down. And I've never. I don't. I don't see that that often. I think that's really neat. Well, I think and, a lot. Of I'm it, a contrarian, so I know. <laughs> a lot of it is, and we were discussing this in the office after watching it five times. Was that this is the feeling we all wanted to have for the prequels. And didn't get it, and so it's even better now, yeah. almost because it's like it washes away. And this is good. This is the trailers. The movies could fail spectacularly, but but yeah. uh, it's, it's the feeling we all wanted to have for those movies, and we didn't get them. So we got a little taste of it, and it's almost it's almost even better. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm I'm super excited for it mm-hmm. now. I mean, I was before, but now I'm like. Yeah, but we'd had that kind of like. Do we go the first? Do we, you go the first week? Like you're going to be there immediately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I've been to a midnight movie in a couple of years. I would probably do this one. I'm not doing that. But... But I think there's, there's no way I won't be able to. You know what sucks? Is that my kid isn't quite old enough. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he doesn't like movies, though. No, not really. And so, like, it won't, it won't be fun to take him because I don't think that he's at a point where he'll enjoy it. So I, I maybe one of the other ones I can have the experience of taking him, but... Uh, you showed him the first three, though, right? I've we've seen the first one all the way through. I haven't showed him Empire at all. Mm, too dark. No, I just don't want to blow the reveal. Oh right. I'm waiting until it count. He doesn't know about Darth Vader, and I, I want that to be a thing. So I showed him the first one, and I showed him I showed him parts of Jedi. The Ewoks. Yep. He like the Ewoks. Of course, he liked the Ewoks. The Ewoks are awesome. Ewoks are awesome. I'm famously on record for that. <laughs> so, so that was the Star Wars trailer. Uh, good week. Mm-hmm. Really, it just made the week better. It did. And my favorite thing now is, I will just hear the music off in the in the in the, in the office in the distance. Like, oh, someone's playing it again. Yep. And I watched it on the Apple TV before I went to bed. We it was playing in the office Apple TV, but when I got into work this morning, like. Uh, it just makes people happy, and that's the point, right? I like how that uh, work stopped everywhere, but there was not going to be any IT guys to, be, uh, to report it. <laughs> right, like, right. It looks like all our bandwidth is going towards it. And like, no, no, no. And you know what actually made me think, and this will tell you how into it I was, I actually wished I was in that Star Wars Celebration room because of every report that said when they showed the trailer, the place went bananas in a way that no one's ever seen a room go bananas before. Yeah, We've seen some rooms go bananas, so. And I actually, I actually wish I was there for that. I gotta say, I'm glad I didn't wait overnight in a line for a thing, though. <laughs> well, there, there, there's that. I'm there just saying. I, I just wish I'd so been in that. Saying you wish you had press credentials so you didn't have to wait through all that. I just wish I got to walk in and be there for the trailer and then walk out. Yeah. And then oh. get in my car and leave Anaheim, never to return. <laughs> <laughs> well, there sorry. we go. Thanks for sorry, City of Anaheim. <laughs> well, well, anyway. Well, so, so that. that's the Star Wars trailer. Um, we'll be, we, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Hopefully, you are. Uh, uh, you guys did a, you did one of the animation podcasts. And yes, we did a Batman versus Robin animation podcast this week. We put it out on Thursday. Uh, Paul Montgomery, Ryan Haupt, and I, the iFanboy Animation Brain Trust, got together to discuss the latest DC Universe animated original movie, Batman versus Robin. And you can find it there, where one of us liked it a lot, one of us thought it was okay, and one of us thought it was boring. So you can listen to that to figure out who who was whom. <laughs> And uh, so next week, we'll have the Daredevil podcast. Everybody keeps asking us, even though we keep telling you it's coming next week. It'll be uh, me and an assorted band of misfits talking about Daredevil. I assume, Josh, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't want to have too much pressure on you, but uh, you better hurry up. I've got uh, half an episode left. Okay. So then we'll be doing that. You can hear that show. I had to stop to do this. Sorry, Josh. I'm sorry. So we'll be having that show come out mid uh, next week. You'll hear our, our thoughts on Daredevil. 
And then we'll be back in a couple weeks again for Avengers. So this is a good packed week, packed month of uh, special edition shows Certainly. coming at you. And uh, they'll all be found at ifanboy.com. That's where you can comment on this show, on those shows, talk about this week's books, find all the other podcasts, talk about what we're talking about there. That's all happening at ifanboy.com. And you can follow all the action at facebook.com slash ifanboy. And at ifanboy on Twitter, that's where you can find out what the pick is before the show comes out. And you can follow us individually at Jay Flanagan and at C.S. Kilpatrick. And if you like this show, you can write a review on iTunes or you can spread the word through your social media channels. I don't know if you realize, but Facebook charges you for everything you want to go around us. And we need you to do that for us, <laughs> um, basically. Uh, or, or, okay, say, just, just, let's just throw this out there. You put up this podcast in your, in your feed and then you say, asked a really interesting question about, uh, about comics going down a dark path. What do you guys think of that? Start keeping mm-hmm. that conversation going. Uh, or whatever. I don't, want to, I don't want to tell you what you're interested in. Or whatever. Whatever you want to do, just tell somebody about it if you get the chance to, because that's really helpful. That's what I'm saying. Okay, that's fair. Uh, that is it, man, for this week. How many sunburns did you get last week? Two, one on each foot. Was that from contact with the sun or of the sand, sure. or was it su- sun? I was super, super conscientious about sun sunblock, and I was putting it on multiple times a day and I, I burned my feet on the very first day and I'm not sure. But it was the top of the feet or the bottom of the Top feet? of the feet. I think that I rubbed it off like by sitting on the chair and like having sand there and sort of like ground the sand the sun away, then went for a walk and then waited too long to put the stuff back on because it was bright sun and I am white sun. That's what I'm saying. Mm. Uh, besides that, no sunburn. My my wife said, Oh, you've got your you've got your summer red on. Which is which is how I tan. It was great. The first day, the woman at the breakfast place was just like, "Oh, you're new here because you're both still white." And I was like, "I got news for you, sister. It's not gonna change. <laughs> Ain't gonna change." So uh, until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Force beat now. <laughs>